This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I'm just so excited. Every single time we start the show, we have Elise Metallo's version of Blessed Assurance off of the original hymn. And it's Blessed Assurance, my story. You can also find more about what she does for Christ at EliseMetallo.com. But it's just a great way to start out. Because what we talk about on this show are our stories, are how God is still affecting change today. And so let's get started the right way. Let's all bow our heads. Let's humble our hearts. And let's turn them towards the Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. King of kings, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of having breath. Thank you, Lord, that we are here in your holy name this day. Lord, I'm thankful for my sister on the line who started to just bless us with her story last time. Thank you that in this midst of a a society, Lord, and a world in which idolatry is so pervasive, so much so that sometimes we don't even see it creep into our lives. God, you can be in the midst of us, and you can break those down and take your proper place as Lord of our hearts, God. And Lord, we're just praying that you will continue to do this. You will continue to have us be molded into your vessels so that more and more can get to know you better or for the first time father we just pray that you take over this hour thank you jesus for your sacrifice and your blood we pray lord for forgiveness for our sins and most importantly that your will be done in your holy name i pray amen well welcome everyone thank you so much for tuning in you are tuning into the kingdom work for christ online radio show this is about to be a rich hour and if you tuned in last time you know you know you're in for a treat we talked last time to zenny foon and zenny you're on the line hey how are you 
Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad that you, you decided to come back. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes I have to, you know, I have to pay extra to have people still stick around <laughs> with me. So, you know, I, I consider myself blessed that you're on. <laughs> Your show has well, been great. So I'm so glad yeah. to have you. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting, too, is that I've just, the hour last time we were talking just flew by so fast, you know, mainly because I just, I, I just had such a good time talking to you. Yeah, I had a really great time talking to you, too. Amen. Well, we're going to continue this conversation, and so let me give you a little bit of background. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time and you're kind of wondering, first of all, what is Kingdom Work for Christ? And then second of all, what's this whole deal? So, Kingdom Work for Christ, very plainly put, it is the full-time job of inviting Jesus into our day-to-day. A lot of times we look at our jobs as the thing that pays our bills or the thing that sustains us, right? And this ministry, this entire radio show is about us flipping the script so that we're in line with the Great Commission. The Great Commission can be found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's where Jesus, after he died, resurrected, having conquered death, before going back to the Father, gave his followers a beautiful set of instructions. And before I start talking about what those were, I want to bring to light something very important, mainly the fact that he was talking to people who both doubted him and people who believed him. And so he didn't give these instructions just to the people who believed him. He gave these instructions to all of those who were there, regardless of whether or not they had doubts. And that's important because different people in the body of Christ even are, are, are sort of battling with different doubts, right? So, so take heart because Jesus is talking to all of us. So he said this. He said, one, know that all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. So that's instruction one. Second. Therefore, go make disciples of nations. Third, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three, excuse me, four, teach them to obey my commandments. And then five, know that I'm with you always till the end of the age. A lot of times when we hear about the Great Commission and how to carry it out, we hear about go and make disciples of nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission, right? No. The Great Commission starts with first knowing the Lord's authority. And as a byproduct of that, everything else then comes. And it's really important for us to refocus. If we're going to flip the script and we're going to adapt and accept our full-time position of being kingdom workers for Christ, the first thing that needs to happen is we need to put the alpha of the Great Commission back in order. That is knowing God. How do we know God? We pray every day. How do we pray every day? We simply have a conversation with him every day. We open our Bibles. We actually get to learn about his love letter to us. And, yes, the Bible is love in its fullness in that sometimes it's going to be tough love, right? But nevertheless, we don't shy away from it. And in the process of doing that, we get to know our king of kings. And the more we get to know our king of kings, it simply bleeds out. It oozes out of us on a day-to-day basis. So now we get to start to impact different environments, environments where we are exposed to gossip 
or environments where we have chronic illnesses or environments where we're disagreeing with people, environments when our families are falling apart in front of us and we're saying, God, how come you're not here? Environments where there are abortions just being about to be done or are considered, environments where there's death, environments where there is um, witchcraft very specifically, which is a topic we're continuing to address today. And the larger picture of that is idolatry, right? So we, in the first part of this series, talked about what the Bible says about idolatry. The second part was part one of Zenny's incredible testimony of how she came to Jesus. And what was so enlightening about that was that Zenny was, was coming into an environment, a Christian environment, where anyone looking from the outside would have said, of course she's a Christian. She goes to Liberty University, right? Check mark, done. Yeah. Of course she's a believer. And yet there was this beautiful struggle. And if you, if you missed that, please go back, check it out. It's really worth understanding from firsthand account what Zenny went through. And then in the process of doing that, then you see this beautiful transformation into what we're about to talk about today. But Zenny, I must say that your, your testimony was so uh, just powerful and, and juicy that people had questions. And so I can't move on today into how you're doing Kingdom for Christ without asking you about these questions. So the first thing, Zenny, that we really <laughs> we wanted to know, you brought this on yourself, so we want to know, right? How were you, how were you able to, you're going to classes that are clearly talking about Jesus, that are talking about God, you know, the Christian God, and you're yeah. practicing witchcraft. How did you maneuver the day-to-day? -day? Talk to us a little bit more about that experience of being on a campus that was Christian when you clearly didn't believe. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like a very, very big struggle for me just because um, I, it was not over a massive period of time. It was for about a month or so. And um, between going to class, I kind of just kept everything to myself and put everything in like a little drawer. And then um, once I'm by myself, I kind of like practice that. And um, I go to class, I mean, my Bible classes, biblical worldview. I just go to those classes. Sorry, is that, I'm losing you a little bit. So, mm -hmm. if, are you able to speak up a little bit? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, better. Okay, awesome. So, I go to the uh, biblical worldview class, and when I first got to Liberty, I didn't really understand what these classes were. So, I kind of just went in with the mindset of, okay, I'm studying this. Just because I want to graduate college, I want I want to study my major, and you know that's going to be the end of that. And then, um, so I, I went into these classes, and I at the at the beginning of the class, the, my professors would have these verses that we have to recite, and I kind of just recite those along with the class and didn't really think much about them until a while later when I really get to know Christianity. Hmm. So then you're in the classes and you're, you're learning this. Were there any times where you felt like, well, that I don't totally don't agree with that. There are a lot of the times. I mean, when I first, 
um, for example, this this is not really something that uh, I remember first out of class, um, but first thing that I felt really strongly against was that um, Christianity was right and all the other religions are wrong. And it's something that my mom still against and my dad still against because they're they're agnostic and so um, they don't believe that the other religions are wrong and they believe that all religions have everybody have like their right to follow whatever religion they want. Um, but I I believe now that there is one truth and if you don't abide by that truth, um, that's just gonna hurt you. So that's that's what I believe now as a Christian. So, so as you were in those classes, were you were you you were offended when you would hear that Christianity is the only, you know, way to an eternity with with God? Yeah, I I was I felt offended, but the same way that all agnostics react to such situations is. That's the exact same way we would react to anybody professing any of their religion is just to keep it to ourselves and to, you know, simply think of it as, okay, they have their own belief and their belief is, you know, in in our minds, their belief is wrong, but we're not going to say anything about it because it's their belief, so they do whatever they want. Hmm. And that's interesting because, you know, as you were describing a little bit last week, you know, what you grew up with, it actually seemed that there was almost a, a mixture between atheism and agnosticism because there was a rejection mm-hmm. of of the yeah. existence of God, right? Yeah. Were your parents God pretty really vocal God, about that or? They, in our family, um, there's never, there were never. Sorry, I'm losing you a little bit, God. Zenny. Yeah. Um, there, can you hear me better? Uh, not really. Are you able to speak up a little bit or put it closer to your mouth? Yeah, is this better now? Yes, it is. Okay. So Sorry in my that. family there never there was never a serious conversation about God until after I get saved. And um if there ever was a conversation about God it would be like a joke. Uh, maybe for like mm. five minutes. And right. so there, there never was um, such serious conversation. We didn't ever take God very seriously. Hmm. So then when you became a believer in Jesus, did, are they Christians today? Oh, no, they're, they're still agnostic, very much agnostic. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how, how you navigate, you know, conversations with your parents. Are, is it... You know, is it contentious or is it pretty? It's it's sort of, it just doesn't come up. How how do you, how does that manifest? Well, um, when I first got, when I just got saved, I was, you know, as any new Christian, um, I would be very excited, and I immediately <laughs> went uh, and tell my parents about Christ and about the gospel. Turns out they have heard the uh, they have heard the gospel maybe 20, 30 years ago already, and they didn't hmm. like it because the people that told them then didn't really live as a true Christian. They just kind of proclaimed the gospel but didn't really live as a Christian. And so mm. that that really turned them down when they were younger. 
And so they were very, they are, they show very um, strong opposition to Christianity now. Um, they don't call themselves atheists, but I guess in a way they are. They they consider themselves agnostics, but in a way they're they're kind of against Christianity. Um, hmm. But I I realized after a while that coming up to them and telling them about, about the gospel right away is not a good approach. And so I'm starting with discernment evangelism. And because I'm so far away from them, I cannot physically serve them. Um, I, I, I serve them in a way, you know, I, in the way I talk to them, in the way I um, go about my daily lives here in America and, um, just to show them that how, how much I've changed as a person. Mm. And that really makes a really, really big difference. Yes. I love the way you put it, servant evangelism. So when you talk to them, what are some critical changes that you've done um, in your, for example, conversation with your mom that you think she may have picked up on since you've been saved? Yeah, me and my mom have never, ever really, like, have a really good relationship so, um, it, we always, I mean, mother and daughter, we just ha- kind of have that relationship, and it's so easy for us to get, a, get to get into a fight at the end of every call, and mm. it used to be like that all the time, but lately, I kind of just realized that I want to, I want to, you know, honor my parents, and just like God has taught us, and I changed completely the way I... You know, it's a, it's a gradual process, but I've been able to change the way that I talk to my mom, and it hasn't turned into a fight in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that my mom has really noticed that, and she, she's um, seen the change, but she's just afraid to admit it. Mm. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You know, it kind of gives me um, a little bit of a segue, too, into – we were praying beforehand, um, for those of you listening, before we get on the show, we usually have, you know, about 15 minutes of, of prayer um, beforehand and or, and conversation about the word, and, and then, you know, we go through logistics. Um, we were a little bit short on time today, but I asked Zenny before the show, I said, you know, what what's a passage that's really spoken to you this week? And Zenny, you mentioned... Psalm 143, which, if you're okay, I would love to read it, and then I would love for you to tell us why it's really been resonating for you, because I think it ties directly into what you're talking about and this this idea of servant Mm -hmm. evangelism and where you get that source and that fuel from. Yeah. So Psalms 143, and if you have your Bible, please feel free to turn with me. Starting with verse 1, and we'll read the whole chapter. So it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He's crushed my life to the ground. He's made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. 
I meditate on all that you've done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me no on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. And you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. Amen. Will you talk to us a little bit about why this has been resonating with you, Zenny? Yeah, I think that that's really, it just sounds like a prayer to me. And it's a prayer that, um, you know, as a Christian, I still, Jesus saved us from sin. But, like, we still struggle every single day with mm-hmm. with um, temptations and with sins. And um, if we just kind of draw away from him, it, it's temptation I think in another I think it might be in Genesis but um, it talks about how if one fails um, then sin is just crouching in front of the door I think that was um, maybe Abraham talking oh no the Lord talking to Cain I believe and um, when he's asking him when when he has why he has allowed sin to lead him to um to be jealous of Abel's offering. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we as Christians still struggle every single day with with temptation. And so I think that um that's a very very important prayer to keep in mind whenever you're struggling. Mm. And I love the fact that it ends with, I, I am your servant, and you're talking about mm-hmm. servant evangelism, you know, yeah. and how, how to go about doing that. That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think serving, just serving and um, prayers and giving thanks as well, they're, that's very important, and just getting yourselves out of bad situations. Mm. Amen. You know, it's, it's talking about prayer. We had um, last time we talked about a surprise guest and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so incredibly excited because it, it's not often that I get to see, you know, sort of the um, various components of how God is, has worked in someone's life. And then we get the privilege really to have one of the people who really influenced that change um, be on a show. So, the surprise guest, everyone, is Michaela, and I'm going to let Zenny introduce Michaela. She wasn't able to join us on the show, but she has pre-recorded something for us, and I think it will really bless you to see just all the moving parts that God places to have us encounter him for the first time or, or encounter him in a deeper way. It's amazing when you can hear from different angles 
what was going on around the same, you know, around the same person coming to Jesus. So, um, Zenny, would you like to talk a little bit about Michaela and what she means to you? Yeah, um, Michaela and I met our first year of college, and we stayed together in the same room through the second year of college. And um, now she's moved on to being what Liberty is calling a shepherd, which means she kind of a um, uh, little higher than a prayer leader, as in leadership position in a in a hall in our dorms, and um, she will help just support the girls within the hall. And she was the one who helped, one of the two roommates that really helped me um, minister, ministering to me um, in my process of becoming a Christian. That's wonderful. So before I play that, what do you mean by, is a shepherd an equivalent of a resident advisor? Is that sort of? Yeah, uh, kind of like just right below it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Just to give us a little bit of context, um, mm-hmm. you know, for those for those of us who who don't go or are not familiar. Um, okay. Awesome. So I'm super excited. Let me stop talking, and I'm gonna play what Michaela has prepared for us. So enjoy, you guys. You're in for a treat. Hey everyone. So my name is Michaela Diddle, and I am um, Jenny Spoon's roommate um, from Liberty. And so I just wanted to. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the questions. Okay, so I just want to do this for the radio show real fast um, and answer a few of the questions because I unfortunately can't call in. Um, so how I came to Christ. I grew up in a Christian home um, in South Florida, and we went to church my whole life. Um, I actually, it's funny, I got saved because I was petrified of hell at the age of six, and so... I didn't really grasp the concept of the gospel because I would ask the Lord to come back into my life literally every single Sunday until I was about 13, until, until then I really got it. Um, but since then, the Lord has just been a lot in my life, and I've been able to grow in Him and learn what it means to be a follower of Christ and not so much um, of a legalist, per se. Um, so that's how I came to know the Lord. and. I decided to come to Liberty um, because I really saw at home when I visited. Um, I really was either going to go to a very secular school or a very Christian school. I didn't want something kind of in the middle. And so um, when I got accepted, it was just a matter of figuring out financial issues. Um, and I, I really, really loved it. The Christian community here is absolutely incredible. The leadership on the halls is just so welcoming, and it really has become like my second home. Um, so I just, I really fell in love with everything about it, from the community to the way they set up um, spiritual opportunities. It's just been really, really enriching, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, so freshman year, I came in, and I actually had about, like, five different girls that were my roommates before Hannah and Zenny came into the room. Um, and at that point, I was, you know, it was people I was going to room with that I knew from home, and it was just not working out. And so um, what happened was I got randomly paired with Hannah and Zenny, and I was a little discouraged, not going to lie. I was a little um, scared because I had a girl from across the world that I was afraid wouldn't speak English, um, and then someone else, you know, that was just random that I had never met before. And so um, they became my roommates, and I met Zenny the first day that I moved in. And actually the first day, she might not remember this, the first day I met her, I actually um, – 
I actually shared the gospel with her, like not knowing whether she was a Christian or not. Um, my pastor at home had come up with a method of um, evangelism called the three circles, and each, you know, you draw three circles, and there's arrows between them, and each of them kind of explains a different aspect of the gospel and why we need Jesus. And so I explained that to her, and I'm not sure really that she got it, but I know that a seed was planted that day. Um, and so then we just became roommates, and I soon found out that she was not saved. Um, and so from then on, the process kind of began of praying for salvation. And so then once we found out that she was involved in witchcraft, um, I really got a lot of the girls in my hall to pray um, for radical salvation. And I didn't want to spread, you know, a lot about her because I didn't want it to be like, oh, yeah, my roommate's involved in witchcraft. Like, da, da, da. Um, but I did want it to be a serious thing, and I really, really, really wanted her to um, to come to know the Lord like I did. Um, so I remember the one thing that I really remember as far as ministering to her was prayer. And also um, one night, which she mentioned in her in her session of the um, this talk show, um, she, Hannah had gone to the computer lab, and she wasn't going to come back until 2 in the morning, so this was around midnight, um, and I knew she wasn't coming back. So... Um, Jenny pulled out something from from under the bed and, um, you know, just had it sitting there. And then she proceeded to pull out the Bible, too, and asked me about this obscure verse in, like, Second Samuel or something like that that talks about how, like, um, you know, people involved in sorcery and witchcraft would not be, would not enter the kingdom of God. And she was really worried about it. And I was like, you know, why are you worried about this? You know, I, you know, are you involved in that stuff? And so, lo and behold, she pulled out all of this, um, all these tarot cards and chips that she had been using to do readings on me and Hannah and her Asian friends um, that I, I was unaware of at the time. And um, so she, you know, started telling me how she got into, involved into witchcraft, and I was astounded. I really didn't know, like, what to say because I never dealt with that. I, again, like I said, I grew up in a Christian home, and so this was very, very foreign to me. I never really dealt with anything like this in my life. Um, so I'm sitting there praying, like, Lord, please help me. Like, I literally don't know what to say to this girl because, again, I've never dealt with anything like this. It's just like, you're going to have to do something because I have no idea what I'm doing. And at that very moment, Hannah walked in the door. And later on, I asked her, you know, why did you come back so early? And she's like, I just really felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I don't know. I just felt like going back. And so we know that was totally God because if she hadn't walked in, um, I just, I doubt the conversation would have been as beneficial as it was because it was such a God thing that we got to team up and um, minister together. So then he continued to ask me, and I kind of explained to her everything that I had been learning at Liberty as far as um, how to evangelize. And they, my classes had really been preparing me for a moment like this. Um, I remember thinking everything I've learned in the past eight weeks of school is about to be used in this conversation. And so we talked about everything from the value of life to the cosmos and how it came to be, um, abortion, you know, murder, everything. Um, sin in general, you know, it was just like every single topic you could think of we spoke about that night. And we talked until 3 in the morning, so for three hours we just kind of debated. And um, you could tell that every answer we gave, she immediately was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but she was very downtrodden about that. And um, one of the things that really struck me was that she was very ill um, from the time literally she got to Liberty until the day she got saved, like, like on, like, very, 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 very ill. Um, so ill, in fact, that we had to take her to an off-campus um, medical center 
because she's coughing up blood. Um, and so she was very sick. She would cough all night. You know, him, I wouldn't be able to sleep. She'd be up all hours of the night. Um, and it was just really crazy to see spiritual warfare manifest itself physically on a person because, again, I never witnessed that. But that's definitely what it was. She looked very, like, huge bags in her eyes. She looked like death, if we're being honest. Um, and it was just very hard to watch because, you know, I'm sitting here trying to pray and getting my friends to pray. My family back home was praying. My grandpa was praying. And it was like, why is this not working? Um, but then, you know, one day she came and told us randomly, like, I want to throw all of my witchcraft materials away. And I was like, what? You want to throw them away? And she was like, yeah, I do. And so um, we did that. And I, at this point, I didn't know she'd already received the Lord. I just thought, you know, this is a step in the right direction. And so um, we did that. And um, I asked her, why did you do that? And she's like, well, because I felt like God wanted me to. I was like, okay, well, like, you know, do you want to be saved? She's like, I'm already saved. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so she apparently had asked the Lord to be her savior by herself in our room or in the bathroom, I think is what she said. Um, and so that was really, really awesome that she had come to Jesus on her own just based off of, you know, being in an environment that was so, um, I guess, promotive of the gospel. And she was just getting fed constantly spiritually. And I think because of, number one, going to Liberty University and also just because of the environment that she was in and, like, our prayer, too, it was it was impossible for Satan to win. Um, so that's kind of, you know, how that happened. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, she's been saved, obviously, ever since and been on fire for the Lord, so it's been really awesome to see how our prayers have come to fruition. Um, tips for ministering in any environment, that's really difficult. Um, the one thing that I've learned since being at Liberty and just meeting girls from all walks of life is to just meet them where they're at, um, to not think highly of yourself, and I struggle with that a lot. My pride is definitely something that I struggle with, but it's hard, um, you know, when I really have not had to walk through any personal, like, great sin, like drugs or alcohol or um, premarital sex or anything like that, um, it's hard for me to look at girls that have walked through that and to love them with the same love that Jesus does. But the one thing that I've really learned is people just want you to listen first and to not throw Jesus in their face. Um, I think that's really important. But the other thing that is really proven to be a key factor when it comes to ministering to someone is prayer. Like prayer behind the scenes, like that they don't know about, um, getting other people to pray, to just cover them in prayer, it does wonders. And I think a lot of times as Christians, especially for me growing up in a Christian home, I diminish the value of prayer so easily. Um, it's just something you do before dinner or it's something you do before you get on a plane ride. It's never really something that, oh, I'm talking to you my Lord and Savior, like, he's, he's right here as I pray this. It's not, it's not that. Um, but I think when your mindset changes and you're ministering to someone behind the scenes like that, that, that is so helpful. Um, and be bold, too. Like, I know Zenny, she would never, she would come from not knowing really anything. Um, and so we just got to kind of share a lot with her in a very short amount of time. So, you know, if the person is open, just share it. Like, they're not going to, you know, they want to know more about what you believe and it's not as weird to them, I don't think, as as we make it out to be. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I so appreciate it. Have a great night. Wow. Zenny. <laughs> yeah. How does that make how, – talk to me about some of the thoughts you have as you're hearing her, her side of what was happening. Yeah, there are certain things that um, she sees from her side that I don't even 
either I don't remember or I have never really thought about it in that way before. So we're interested mm-hmm. to hear her just tell the story all over again now. Yeah, so what are the, what are some examples of that? Um, for example, you know, just about me being sick. When I was sick at that time, I was just thinking, okay, this is just a flu. Like, I've, I've kind of, you know, had this before when I was in Vietnam. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm getting sick, and I'm dealing with it, and it's just, I'm sick. I'm not thinking of any spiritual warfare, because it was just a foreign concept to me. Um, mm-hmm. So... I wasn't ever thinking about that, but now that I think about it, um, it she's she's right. So talk to me a little bit about that. What because she specifically said, timing-wise, you literally it, it almost seemed like when you got saved, this illness got lifted. So, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about more about that journey? Were you sick when you first came to Liberty? I wasn't sick. Uh, when I first came to Liberty, but um, I remember there is a specific night that um, I got sick and then I, you know, I became sick for a really long time afterwards. And I want to, I will touch on that um, a little bit after, but um, I remember that when I was sick, I was just coughing uncontrollably and it was really bad to the point where, um, one night I was coughing so much that Michaela had came down from her bed and she gave me a pillow to like prop my head up and then she climbed back onto her bed and she she asked to pray with me and I was like oh okay why would why are you praying when I'm sick um Mm. because I that's so that was so strange to me but I let her and then she prayed for me and it just felt so much better after. I fell asleep okay mm-hmm. afterwards. Wow. And a good here's something that um that that day when I got sick, um, I remember that was the last day that I was participating in Scaremare, which is an event where um you it's it's every every Halloween and then you dress up as a character and you just uh, scare people. It's kind of like a, a haunted house. And um, I was going, I went the first two nights and I met this girl and we planned to go together on the third night. And then we ended up not because I felt kind of sick. And uh, we both planned together the first two nights that we're going to be dressing up as a zombie the third night. And then I couldn't come, but she went anyway, and she dressed up as a zombie, and she was locked up with, uh, locked up in a cage, and another guy was locked up in a cage, and, um, uh, Sorry, what do you, what do you mean by locked up in a cage, and I'm losing you a little bit, so if you can speak yeah. up. Yeah, um, so basically, um, she dressed up as a zombie for this haunted house and we we planned to go together, but we ended up not. So she went alone and she dressed up as a zombie, and then she was locked up in a cage because you know that's that's kind of like the act. So she was locked up in a cage, and another guy oh. was locked up in the same cage, and he sexually assaulted her. Oh no! Yeah, wow. and, um, that's in Liberty's um, property. 
kind of. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's a terrible thing, but to think of it on my side, I usually just, just might be a little bit selfish, but I think that God has been so protective of me in, in a way that if I had not been so sick that day, I was literally just flat on the bed. I could not get up. I couldn't walk anything. Right. And, now that I think about it, I'm so thankful that day because if I had gone that day, I don't know what would have happened to me. Right, right. Yeah. It's amazing when we can take a look at the way in which he has literally stayed <laughs> the punishment on yeah. our life or the, you know, the, the calamity that could have come upon our lives. Um, yeah. Wow. So then what would you say to, this is totally at a side, but can you talk a little bit to, you know, those of us who may think, you know what, Halloween is a nice event to to just dress up our kids and to go and get candy. It's nothing more than that. Do you see any danger in that? Do you, you know, knowing what you know about um, the practice of witchcraft, what would you say to that? That would be a very long discussion of, like, strong brother and weak brother and, and uh, it's a very long conversation but to sum it up I think that um, it's harmless because to to anybody that don't take it seriously the same way I would think about you know pop music pop culture or um, a tattoos makeup anything along that line I think it's absolutely harmless because God said that um, everything is made for us to enjoy and so I think that it's absolutely harmless until we think that that if, if we think that that would affect our walk with Christ, then that's not okay anymore. Hmm. So let I'm me thinking. ask you this: How do you then reconcile having a, a no knowledge of what the spiritual impacts can be in something that you think is okay, right? Um, and, and, and how does that, so here's an example. You get people, for example, who will say, well, if I'm in love with someone, then I can go ahead and sleep with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are spiritual implications to waiting for the marriage bed. Right. And so to something like that, but, but in the moment it's, it's, you know, well, I'm in love with them. Right. So no big deal. And so how do you think that there is, any of that when it comes to practices around Halloween time, because we are talking about something that from what you've explained has today in today's society has huge implications as it relates to people who are practicing witch, witchcraft and, you know, are Wiccans. Um, in general, I think there's, you know, just talking about, all of those gray areas has a lot to do with the reason why God had a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the first place. If you don't realize, like, whether it's good or bad, then I don't think that it's going to really, um, it, it, it's not bad. It's not bad because everything is good in God's eyes and God made it for you to enjoy but there's also a verse that says if you know that something's not right and you do it 
then you already sin. And so mm. if you already know that that's, that that's wrong. Then right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the, um, you know, she, Michaela had talked about how she was praying for you fervently. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, well, it's not working. Like, you know, the, the, I'm not, I'm seeing no progress and, and, and you're, you know, coming to Jesus from what you've explained to us in the last show was such a powerful time, but it seemed to happen very, very fast from the time she told you that she'd been praying for you. Um, I think you had mentioned it was like three days after, right? That, that this happened. I think that she told me afterwards, after I got saved, that there are all of these people that have been praying I didn't find out until after. Oh, wow. So then you had you had this amazing experience where God literally, you know, came and, and rescued you. But before that, mm-hmm. what was so amazing in, in both of your testimonies is that you seem to have an openness to want to share with them that you were involved in, in witchcraft, you know, with, with Hannah and Michaela. So what was it about them that, that opened that door for you to feel like, okay, this is not something I have to just keep to myself. Was it, were you trying to debate them? Was it more, you know, were they warm and inviting? What was it about them that allowed you to open up? My spirit, um, before I, before I, you know, got saved and even after I got saved, I've always just wanted to know the truth. Um, It wasn't, such an important thing to me when I was in Vietnam, but then for some reason, um, you know, as, as I as I got to know witchcraft, and then as I got saved, and as I grow with the Lord, I just all I want to know is what's true, because you know, as you if you've listened to uh, this interview last time, um, mm-hmm. I mentioned that it, it's just I just I just it's just there's something. The truth is just like a pole, and if you hit it, it's just going to hurt your hand. And so um, mm. there's only one truth, and I want to know that. What is it? Yes, absolutely. And you know what? The one thing that's been so encouraging about this show time and time again is how there are such different journeys that we take you know, to knowing Christ, but yet there is that incredible commonality and that very streamlined um, story of rescue and of the ability to move forward, you know, under his lordship that time and time again pops up, you know, throughout these interviews. And it's so encouraging because it's like, man, I know he saved a wretch like me, but he can also really impact you know, other people. And I know it's such a basic thought, but to, to hear people's testimonies, you know, because it's kind of hard to, to get to the core of people's stories, right. Especially in this day and age where it's so, things are so fast paced and everyone is so on a mission, you know, and it's the, the conversations can be a lot of times very surface. It's so refreshing to see how God is, is transforming lives. Yeah. Hmm. So you had um, you had 
this incredible transformation, right? How have you then been a kingdom worker for Christ since? Uh, As I'm doing this interview, I'm just, like, last interview, I was mind-blown by how many many listeners Mm. that that talk my testimony has reached. Amen. um, I think that that's, I mean, this is this is a big step for me. I'm just I'm just really blown away by how many people are listening in and how many people that this is impacting. Mm. I never really thought about sharing my testimony before, but um, just just because I didn't think that it was very special personally. I, I mean, I guess I didn't really realize before, but I think that I am more bold now to share my own testimony. Yes. And you know what? what's so neat about it is I, I just love the fact that you are willing to go backwards to, you know, even to the, the stuff that you, 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 you felt was, you know, shameful. And um, because against the backdrop of that, the message of the gospel shines, you know, against the backdrop of our authenticity. And, and I want to, I want to, also speak to the people who, you know, there's some people who, who may be thinking, well, I don't really have a testimony. I've always been a Christian, you know, which was sort of what Michaela had alluded to, you know, saying, well, I didn't, I didn't really struggle with, with a lot of some, some known sins like, uh, you know, alcoholism or whatever. But, but the bottom line is this, God is perfect. So anything we struggle with is falling short of his glory. So the fact that he can rescue us from that, is a testimony. You know, the fact that his perfection can be made known through our imperfect lives on a daily basis, that's a testimony. You know, and, and so it's it's just encouraging to hear two different two different perspectives of really idolatry. For Michaela she she mentioned pride, right? And so the idol there is is herself or her self-worth, right? For you, it was idolatry through witchcraft. And the idol there was other gods, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, time and time in this show, I've, I've shared different aspects of my testimony. Um, definitely dealt with, you know, definitely can relate to pride, to, to running away from God, to making, you know, my own my own worth, my own circumstances, my, my many gods. And all of a sudden, it's like you wake up. And, you know, the, the the throne of God has been sort of abdicated, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but he never abdicates his throne. It's really that we have taken it into our own hands to, you know, to, to run the opposite direction from him. But but yet he's so faithful to bring us back and he's so faithful to use our authenticity, the ugly and the and the pretty. Right. So that other people can get closer to Jesus. So you're so right. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. Outside of that, have you had an opportunity to really minister to people one on one, or you know, or, or talk to us a little bit about servant evangelism and how that's taken place as well? Um, servant evangelism is sort of just with everybody that I meet, um, in the way that I conduct myself, in the way I I talk to people. People have really see the difference in the way that I communicate um, in the professional workplace as well as, um, you know, because I work in the media realm. and so um, I'm losing you a little bit, and I definitely don't want you, don't want to lose you on this one. So um, you said 
you work in the I work in the media industry and so that's where people can use a lot of you know certain language and so um I and and people have really noticed the difference in the way that they talk to me and and sometimes they would say something um and then they would say excuse me I didn't mean to say that in front of you um and mm. you could just really see the difference and um people don't really you know tap into oh why is it different but um, I don't know if that really got them thinking, but I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it It, it really is, um, you know, everything counts, and I think that's the other thing, too, that it's so easy to get caught up in the, oh, well, I'm not doing a big, big thing, so therefore, you know, I'm not really working for Christ, or in effect, just for Christ, and it's like, yeah. no, 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 everything yeah. counts, because people notice. And I want to stress on the fact that Servant evangelism is not just in, okay, I'm going to go over to this person's house and then clean their house or, like, wash their feet, literally. But it can be in the way that you treat people and the way that you talk to them and the way that, you know, you care about yourself and then you, the way that you take care of your body. It's quite simple, and people can really see that shine through. Absolutely, and I think you you were saying you faded a little bit, but you were saying, in the way you take care of your body, people can really see that you are a servant of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, in you know, one of the things that I've also noticed is in in the very simple act of letting your yes be yes and your no be no, right? Yeah. Um, half of ninety five percent of life is just showing up is something that I've heard time and time again in corporate America, you know, as a good tip for ensuring that you show up to, to, to things and you're, you're, you're there and you have presence. But I think that applies to, to, you know, spreading the good news of the gospel. Yeah. It's just, I think if you just think of it as um, following the person that Christ wants and is, Yes. Yeah, or at the very least, you would have peace about it, <laughs> you know, because you're following him. And so even if you don't know exactly all the details, you will know you recognize his voice or his leading, I should say. So what does that look, what would you say to someone who is in the midst of making a decision between Christianity and another religion, right? Who, who's basically saying, I'm, I'm, you know, Christianity is very exclusive. Like, I don't know how I feel about people who are so uppity, so arrogant that they think that they are the only ones with the answer. What would you say to that? I would say that um, I would say the same thing Donald Trump said in <laughs> in um, one of his um, rallies the other day. Um, uh, Zenny, I'm losing you a little bit. I said, I said, I'm going to say the same thing that Donald Trump said in one of his rallies the other day is um, just give it a chance. Just give it a chance is what you said. You're cutting in and out. Yeah. So you, you would say just give it a chance. 
Okay, so what if, uh, let me push you a little bit. What if they say, but what's the point? I mean, isn't it better if I don't give it a chance that way? Because I'm, I'm fine the way I am now. Can you hear me? Uh, yep, I can hear you better. Oh. Uh, you're cutting in and out. Is any of you there? Nope, you're cutting in and out. Well, as you are, um, as you're connecting back in, I, I will say that one of the things that has been really rich about this series is to have the ability to look at different ways in which idolatry can be so pervasive in our day to day. As we're listening in, as we are considering um, Zenny's testimony and the way in which God continues to work our hearts when it comes to false gods, idolatry in our lives, whether it's, you know, that I actually had the the blessing of um, talking to a brother in Christ the other day who was mentioning that, you know, something as simple as working out can be idolatry. And I, and I felt like that was such a fresh point, pretty much anything that comes in between God being Lord of all and, you know, and, 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 and you, your life is an idol. And so plainly put, it can be anything from even our families can become idols to working out to the things that seem good. And yet that can really become something that is very, very quickly what Satan uses to get us further and further away from God. And sometimes that can even be ministry and that's when it becomes really tragic. And so one of the things that I just really want to encourage us to do in general, as we're getting ready to wrap up um, this particular series, and we, we will have one more show on this, and then we will um, go ahead and do and start a new series, which I'm really, really excited about with um, an incredible man of God's testimony. We, you know, is, is to, to understand a couple of things. One of them being that when God gave us that first commandment of loving the Lord with our all, it was literally with all. Not partially. It wasn't based on our decision and our ability to discriminate what we're going to, how we're going to love him and how we're not going to love him. It's with our all. And so we've seen in the in the midst of this testimony of Zenny coming to have a relationship with Jesus that he has passion and compassion for all of us. And he wants to see us with him in eternity. And he's continuing to pursue us. And those of you listening in who are thinking, I've been journeying with God for a long time. Me and God were tight. Until we meet him face to face, you will not be perfect. If you think that you don't have more to grow in the Lord, you are falsely prideful. And that in itself is an idol. So one of the things that we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God destroys our idols, no matter what they are. First, reveal them. Second, destroy them. And then we're going to pray over our protection as a body of Christ. We're going to pray for souls to be saved. And then we're going to call it a night. Father God, thank you. And thank you for this rich hour. Thank you for this beautiful testimony that Zenny and Michaela gave us today. Thank you, Jesus, that in your holy name we can come and we can honestly expect 
that you, Lord, are going to deliver results in our lives, results that are glory for your glory, that are kingdom-oriented, results that make a difference in people's lives, not just here on earth, but in eternity. God, we just pray that in everything we do, we will humble ourselves. God, we pray for the ability to have a heart open to revelation so you can reveal the places where we have idols in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that as you reveal those places, that we will be humble to let you destroy them so you can assume that role in the center of our hearts, that throne, Lord, in the center of our hearts. Take over our lives. Wreck us for the sake of your glory. May we be yours, period. Not anything more, not anything less. God, we just pray that in everything we undertake, that it may be completely and utterly led by you. We pray that the things that are in our on our plates right now, Lord, that are not of you, that they will go away that they will be destroyed, Lord, that your heavenly will will be what so embodies what we care about, that everything else just goes down the wayside. Lord, we are thankful for the ability to come to you, Lord, as a people who just crave for you. Lord, we're praying for the brothers and sisters who are fighting for the sake of your glory. We're praying, Lord, that hedge of protection, that you will continue to bless, Lord God, your work as it is being done. Lord, we're praying for our brothers and sisters who yet don't know you. We're praying, Lord, that we will be infectious for the sake of your kingdom. May we be real, God, in you. May we be authentic, Jesus, for the sake of your name. Lord, we're just praying that in everything we do, that your will be done will be the first and only ambition, intent, and agenda. We adore you, King. Amen. Everyone, if you are tuning in and you are not a believer in Christ, know that God loves you so much. He's pursuing you. You have questions. You want to know more about the Bible. You want to know about church homes. If you are a believer and you, and even if you're not a believer, you're trying to find a church home, um, while you're doing that, we can give you resources so that you continue to be spiritually fed. It's really, really important. Just contact us. Contact at kingdomworkforchrist.com, and we'll follow up with you. Have a wonderful and blessed day, everyone. Bye-bye.